Take your Bibles. We're going through the book of Revelation, chapter 21. And uh, we've, we stopped going through the book of Revelation for quite a while. Took some time off and uh, did a bunch of topical things, a bunch of devotional things, and so forth to be stretched in those ways. And I said we'd get back into Revelation, the last two chapters, which deal with the new, new Jerusalem, new heaven and the new earth, our, our future homes. Amen. I said a lot of people like to watch those. They're very popular programs about uh, homes that, you know, home improvement or, you know, uh, homes you might acquire in the future or homes you could just dream of acquiring. And all those dreams, dream, all those shows, you know, and the, the best home you could possibly see pale compared to where you're headed in a very short time because we tend to forget that our lives are very short. Amen. They're, the Bible compares them to a vapor, a hand's breadth, you know. Uh, nothing almost compared to eternity. And uh, our, our lives are very short. And if you know the Lord, you're going to be with him forever. And it's where you're going to be, you know, we've said over and over again, the place that you're going to have is, you know, going to be blow away. It's going to make the homes here look like dumps, the best homes in California, you know, around the world. And, uh, but the most important thing is not the looks of our home and the streets of gold and all that, as wonderful as it is and it's radically described, is that we read in Revelation chapter 21 that God in verse 3 makes his tabernacle with us, amen? That the tabernacle of God is with men, that we're going to be in his presence because you can have a nice home, but if it's devoid of love, it's just, you know, walls, you know, scenery. Uh, but when you have, and, and if you have a very small home right now, or you're renting a room in a home, or you're even living in a tent, and you have Jesus, that blows away what the biggest, most wonderful mansion on this planet that somebody has. And those folks that typically have those are without Jesus, typically, and you blow them away in, in, in your situation. Amen. God's word says that we need to learn to be content whether we are bounding and being blessed, and sometimes God blesses us, amen, or whether we are abased and we're going through struggles because the Lord goes on to say we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, amen. But in these two chapters, we do get to look at not only our home, but the fact that we get to be with the Lord and our broader family, which is made up of millions and millions and millions and millions of brothers and sisters in Christ, amen. Even now, we have a church family, amen. So we have the Lord's presence, and Jesus says that, you know, Peter's talking about, or the disciples like, what are we going to get? We've forsaken all. And he's like, you know, 100 homes, all kinds of family. And he says, not just in the world to come, but right now. And at that time when there was just a few disciples, they're probably like scratching heads. What does he mean by that? Now look all these years later, man. Christianity by far and away is the most popular, you know, if you use the word religion. The Bible does use the word religion, by the way. On the planet, you know, that doesn't mean everybody that claims to be a Christian is a Christian, but people recognize the truth when they see it, whether they follow it or not. Oh, praise the Lord, sister. How are you doing? Where are you? Where do you hail from? Uh, Coeur d'Alene. Okay. Idaho. Did he call you out? Okay. Well, there's another one from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Wow. Coeur d'Alene is like the heaven part of Idaho, right? <laughs> Although it gets, gets really rainy in that heaven part of Idaho pretty soon. But it's beautiful. Good to see you. Praise God. What a joy. Anybody else that's from an, another state or country that we're missing? <laughs> praise God. We just praise God. And, and praise God. It sounds like you're still in tune with the word and going for it and got the Jesus smile going. So that's good. He is good. Amen. Lord, it's so good. All right. I just didn't want to leave one out. I go, oh, wow. <laughs> Third row. Uh, oh, somebody else from the woods. I heard someone whistle. Hills from the woods. <laughs> who, was, who whistled? 
That was pretty good. Or was that someone's phone? Oh, that was you, brother. Praise God. You're the clapper, the whistler, the hallelujah guy. Amen. We, that's all good, man. I used to go to a church when I was a new Christian and people sang and one guy just whistled through the songs, you know. He did pretty good, but it's kind of, kind of trippy too. But uh, anyway, Revelation 21.5. Revelation 21.5. And we're going to, he wipes away all the tears we see in verse, 20, in verse 4. He's describing the state of, and by the way, I love it. Because he, before he goes into describing the dimensions of New Jerusalem and all that, he describes the fact that we're going to be with the Lord. Pick it up at verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. There is so much here that's about relationship, amen? He's, Jesus the bridegroom, we're the bride. So it's just so heavy. We had four messages on that throughout Scripture. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And even that has a bride-bridegroom connotation, which we got into. But we're going to be with him. He that is holy, holy, holy. Uh, a consuming fire that no one could dwell in his presence unless we are what? Made holy. Amen. And made righteous. As Isaiah says, who can dwell in the everlasting burnings? no one man unless they're made new in Jesus and given resurrected bodies right and they're holy so they can be with him and that's why it says the pure Jesus said the pure in heart shall see God amen and now God is with us father and son as we'll see in this chapter 21 and 22 and I love this verse 4 and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain for things uh, have passed away. Pray for Annie. Annie, praise God for that verse. Amen. No more pain. Amen. And, and Sonny's, Sonny's smiling as big as Annie is because he's like, yeah, she's been going through a lot lately. So keep people that are in pain in prayer. We go through a whole lot of people, go through a whole lot of things, you know. But we got to keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of even our pain. Amen. He's the ultimate pain reliever. Amen. So, uh, and praise God. I was like, I, I, tripped, I tripped out. I was like, she was like, you know, I was going to try to visit her at the home you were in. And then I was like, oh, you need to get the shot. And I thought she was going to be there for the weekend. I couldn't do it. So I thought, I'm going to just bring them some food over on the weekend. And Tony's texted me back. He goes, basically not a shot. Don't, you don't worry about it. She's at the women's retreat. I'm like, what? <laughs> and it, it should surprise me with Annie, but I was like, oh, praise the Lord. You know, that's awesome. So I'll still bring you guys some food over, by the way. You know, even if you don't need, I'll bring some food over still. Uh, and he doesn't like sushi, though. So get, get, bring you some bratwurst or something, sister. She's over from Germany. Uh, maybe Weiss's worst. That's even better. Uh, only Annie knows what Weiss's means, right, Annie? Whitewurst. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, anyway, you guys, we have, we are going, I mean, whatever you're going through right now, whatever pain, we did a whole money, a message on tears and crying and mourning. All that's just going to disappear one day. Amen. And then verse five, the verse we're looking at a little bit today. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Okay. All things new. And we've already covered that he's making a new heaven, new earth. And so I won't spend a whole lot of time on that little phrase because basically that phrase sums up everything that he's doing, all the things that he's making new. Amen. He's already begun in us, by the way, amen? We have a foretaste of glory divine. We, the Bible speaks of believers having tasted the powers of the ages to come, amen? We have the Holy Spirit living in us. If anyone be in Christ, he is a what? New, creature. new creation, new creature. For old things have passed away, all things have become new, amen? The outer man is dying day by day, right? But the inner man is what? Being renewed, amen? Day by day. 
So it's awesome to know that even though we're getting older, you know, and as you get older, you're like, man, I remember older people. Now I'm one of the older people, you know. I'm not there yet. I mean, when I get in my 70s, 60s, 80s, then I'll be thinking like that. But no, I'm already there. I've been there for a little while. I'm like, wow, that happens quick, Lord, you know. And, uh, and I always joke back with my kids. I go, watch out. Before you know it, you're there, man. It happens so fast. And uh, praise God, because when you have Jesus and you're getting old, you can still have a spring in your step, amen? Even if you don't even have a physical step, amen? Because you have that renewal of the inner man that's taking place. And there's such a beauty to that, amen? I mean, I'm like, wow, because you don't feel, I mean, you you, you feel older for sure. I mean, I, I love to run. I love to take off. And I was, especially for a big guy, I was quick for a big guy. And now my brain says, go. And I'm like, legs move man they don't move as fast you know and i'm like well i'm gonna get a resurrected body we blow away the body at my peak and our peaks amen and praise god that's like instantaneous weight loss you want to lose weight that'd be a good website lose weight and be in shape forever what come to jesus man might not happen in this world but you know i'm sorry i gotta stick to my notes i'm going all over the place anyway look at verse five and he who sits on the throne said behold i make all things new and he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. And I love it. His words are faithful and true. That's the deal. Is we open his word and we know it's faithful. We know it's true. Okay. Now, before I was a Christian, I was ignorant. And I had the view that many ignorant people have of the Bible. Oh, it's just full of myths and stuff. Never bothered to really study it, crack it open and look into it. I even wrote songs against God's word, God and his word. You know, not even knowing what his word said, just this punk little punk kid, you know, 16, 17 years old, thinking I knew that, oh, you know, I know spiritual things and, you know, and you know what, when I became a Christian, I knew right when I got delivered from the demonic powers that they were real, I'm like, whoa, and when I opened up his word, it's like, talks about the principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, the, the spiritual realm. It gave me insight right away. I was like, wow. And it talked about where these spiritual entities, these dark forces are leading and how they're in politics, how they're in entertainment, how they, they're, they're just deceptive, philosophy everywhere, and how you need to be on your guard. And how history is linear and it's moving toward its culmination at a battle called Armageddon and that there's an amassing of a global, a global uh, government ultimately before that uh, that's the spirit of Antichrist that's at work, the mystery of iniquity is also called, that's bringing forth this anti-God, which we see it all over in our culture, right? It says, you shake your head, and it's like, how could people be so ignorant? I mean, look at what's happening to our country right now, you know? Now you don't even, you, know, you could be male and fe- or female biologically, but that does it's just how you feel now, you know? It's how you feel, you know? And if people could just feel a certain way, and that's the judgment of God, by the way, when you're given over to your mind. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? He was, became like an animal. It's called lycanthropy. Okay, there's a, a word for the delusion of thinking that you're something that you're not. And now they're, the liberals, the left, is sanctioning. Oh, yeah, that's good because it's do what that will. Be whatever you want. It's not, but it's a lie. You're a man or you're a woman. Unless you have a physical, you know, both sides. And, you know, you're, then there's a deformity and you know, that's between you and God, what you decide, but that's not what's going on, okay? We're talking about just people that are either male or female. And it's just so weird that this is happening. I mean, I heard recently about a bunch of nuns, and one nun started meow, true story, in her convent, meow. And she kept meowing. Then another nun started meowing. Then before you knew it, every nun in the convent was meowing, and they all thought they were cats. Yeah, 
true story, you know. And then the police, you know, broke out the whips and they repented. <laughs> you know, they, well, yeah, we're not cats. Okay, no more meowing, you know. But today it's like, hey, let's break out the champagne and toast. You could be what, whatever thou wilt, you know. So do what thou wilt, I think, is really what it is. And because Satan hates that we're made in the image of God. And he hates that the picture of Christ and his bride and God's cosmic plan. Because he's not redeemed. He can't be redeemed. He's filled with just hatred toward God. And so we have this assault, you know, on, on everything right now. And it's just going crazy. Now, we have God's word, which is faithful and true. And I was working on, I've been working on two studies on this verse simultaneously, back and forth. And this morning I was working mostly on the other study, thinking I was going to preach that study. But it wasn't exactly where I wanted to, and I was really excited about it. But I was also excited about this study, uh, because they're both on the faithfulness of God's word. In the next study, I'm going to be going specifically into this phrase, how his words are faithful and true. We'll, we'll explore a little bit of Revelation, then we'll go to the book of Daniel. Because this phrase is tied to the book of Daniel. And in Daniel, you have all kinds of prophecies that were already fulfilled. Okay? And, which show you that the God who's given us the book of Revelation is the same God. In fact, the ten toes, representing the ten nation empire that gives itself to the Antichrist in the end days, uh, is, is also the ten horns in the book of Daniel. But it's also the ten horns in Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 17 uh, of the beast, you know. And it all ties together. And when you look at the empires that were prophesied hundreds of years before they came into existence, successfully and successively, you're like, whoa. And it shows you that, wow, Daniel, you know, even the Roman Empire, nobody says that Daniel existed after the Roman Empire, you know. And Daniel prophesies how it will break into two legs, which it did. Constantinople uh, and, the, you know, the western part of the Roman Empire, which is now mostly Europe, you know, uh, that was one time the Roman Empire. And eventually, ten toes would come out of that. And I was going to get into all of that. And I better stop now because I don't want to start preaching that because it's really heavy when you start looking at that. And I wanted to tie that to the book of Revelation to show you how these words, his words are faithful and true, are supercharged spiritually with a bunch of history that's already come to pass. And then the book of Revelation is, well, you can see it talks about this globalistic society in the end that's very antichrist. And we see that, that burgeoning, you know, society with a corrupt uh, uh, whore of Babylon system uh, that the beast rides happening right now. But today I want to talk about how the word of God is the word of God. And he's faithful and true to his word on a, in a more general way. And hopefully, you know, encourage you to, to read his word more, to meditate on his word more. Because what makes us different than non-believers that don't know God, that are separated from God and alienated from God and hostile in their minds often toward God, what makes us different? Well, you know, one thing, we're forgiven, amen? We've been forgiven of our sins. But another thing, if we're true, genuine Christians, if we're real believers, there's been a change wrought in our hearts and we've become born again. We're new creations, amen? And we're becoming Christ-like day by day, Amen. And the Bible talks about, and the Bible encourages, God's word encourages us, uh, how we have the mind of Christ. So we're to have the mind of Christ. And that means our, we become more and more like Jesus. There's many scriptures that talk about how we are his image bearers, or, amen, and that we're being transformed from glory to glory. But one thing you ought to have is the mind of Christ. And Jesus is the word of God made flesh, amen, and the word dwelt among us, amen. And, but guess what? What the Word of God says about the Word of God reflects the Word of God. Amen? So, I mean, I, I can show you, I don't have time to do it, but maybe, you know, 40, 50 parallels between what the Bible says about the Word and what the Bible says about God's Son. 
It's just like back and forth, like wow. Because his word reflects who he is, amen? And when we wanna have, if we want to have the mind of Christ, we want to make sure our minds are being renewed by the word of God, amen? So that's why we're called to meditate on his word day and night. So we could be like the tree planted by the water, amen? I don't know about you, some of you I know, I, me as well, I love to hike. I love the outdoors, you know? I love to, uh, I hike up in the, in the, in the, in the hills up there uh, sometimes. I used to hike in the hills over there all the time, and I still do that once in a while. I, I do mountain biking with the guys and so forth sometimes, but, uh, and by myself at times as well. And I love to be by streams, man. And right now this has been hot summer, not a lot of rain, so I'm waiting for the streams to get filled up and things to get green again. But I love that, the fact that even when there's no green around, because we live in an arid area, it's much like Jerusalem and Israel out here where we live in Southern California. Uh, by the streams, you still see these trees and their leaves are green. Even when the, the stream tends to dry up because there's a lot of moisture underneath still. But the Bible in Jeremiah and in Psalm chapter 1, in fact, go to Psalm chapter 1, lets us know how we can be like that tree. Because guess what? The world that we live in is all dried up spiritually. Amen? It's just all dried up and there's just death all around us. We live in a culture of death where you have some people who just live to, to protect babies. I mean, one of their main missions, are, we, we should be living to exalt Jesus and his gospel, amen. But some people make it their main ministry uh, to, to make sure they can protect babies from being slaughtered. Others on the left champion, and some of them rejoice and they brag about being able to kill babies. That's how backwards the world is that we live in. And it's dead. It's like we live in a culture of death where Satan is celebrated, darkness is celebrated, evil is celebrated in music and so forth. Uh, right now there's a Marvel video, a Marvel movie out called Venom. Okay, And in 2018, Venom came out. That was part one. Now part two. It's a big movie out right now. And this is about a guy that gets possessed by a demon-like creature. That, have you seen the, if you've seen any of the highlights, the, the trailer's all over the place. Have anybody seen that? Just this really demonic-looking creature. And it makes his possession, this guy gets possessed by this creature, and it makes it look like a good thing. Because this, this guy goes around biting off people's heads to get their brains. And he's the hero. And this demon is what makes him so heroic, you know. His name is Venom. He's one of the Marvel characters. And, and you know what? They set it up where you're rooting for him to be possessed. Okay? I'm trying to finish this Marvel DC video, and we're, we're part one is like super, super, super close. Uh, so hopefully Tuesday, Tony, right at four will be our last voiceover. Then, then that'll be our last voiceover. There might be, there'll be some fixes probably a little bit here and there. We're really getting really close for, for part one, which will probably be about two hours or so long. Okay? It's going to blow you away. And I'm like... You know what? It's late at night. You know, sometimes it gets real late. It's kind of hard. For, and I thought, you know what? And I thought, you know what? I keep seeing that Venom thing. I don't even. I've been, I haven't studied the Venom character, so I watched the 2018 one. That's the one that you can rent right now because the new movie's out. And I'm like, you know, and you know, that kind of stuff because it disgusts me and bores me. I mean, my wife's like, it was real late, real real late. My wife's like, you f fell asleep. And I'm like, oh, I got to back up and watch and see how this thing ends. It was, it was just brutal. It was just sick, too. And I'm like, and this guy who is like a, a top investigative reporter, you know, he ends up getting possessed by one of these aliens that comes back on an American rocket ship because they kind of got in there. And, and, it, and it's things, he's like schizophrenic. He's, you hear the voice, and he's it's scary, spooky, demonic voice, like, like this, you know. And, and finally, you know, he's trying to, he's like, what's going on? And before you know it, this 
thing says, hey, you're a loser because he lost his job because he's investigating somebody who was trying to use these aliens, this demonic type aliens for technology. He loses his job and the alien says, you know, you're a loser here. I'm a loser from where I'm at. Who does that make you think of, think of, by the way, right? He goes, let's join together. And he goes, we'll stop these other aliens from coming because his buddies were going back to bring more and they bite off the heads of everybody on the planet. And he says, let's save the world. So, so now you got a demon saving the world. And they fight to save the world and they destroy the rocket ship so the aliens can't bring out more and he's the savior of the world. And he fights this other really powerful alien being that's got greater weapons and stuff. And somehow this guy's body gets separated from the demon, right? And he's dying, his life's ebbing away. And he's like trying to claw his way back to this demon so he could live because he could be healed if he gets possessed by this demon. And I found myself in the movie, I'm like, wow, this is where you'd be like, get there. People are like, get there, get there, get to the demon so you can live. Because they've really built this thing around this guy and you're sympathetic with him because this girl leaves him, you know, the Hollywood stories. And you're all supposed to be sympathetic. I'm like, and then he gets in, he gets healed and empowered again. And his girlfriend, his former girlfriend gets a demon too at one point. And they talk about how exhilarating it's being possessed, how the power feels so good, you know. And at the very end of the movie, they say, what are we going to do? And he bites the head off of another person. And what are we going to do? And they say, do whatever we will. Do what thou will, right? I'm like, mm, yeah, I'll probably sneak this into the new video. So there'll be a voiceover will be a little bit longer, Tony, maybe, uh, Tuesday. But I'm like, they're making good look evil and evil look good. I've told you all along, Halloween's recipe is to take a couple stars or a couple protagonists, antagonists, and make the antagonists really, really wicked and make the protagonists wicked too at times, but just not as wicked. So you start shooting, shooting you're still rooting for a wicked person. And, and that becomes the one you're, 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 you want to win. It's like, ooh, man, that's a recipe, guys, to just, you know, deceive us. And we need to make sure that we meditate on God's word. And when something's evil, overtly evil, you know, and, and you discern that the message is evil, that's when we need to, like, mm, turn it off, you know. Amen? So we need to, hopefully it's hard for you to find something to watch these days. If it's easy, you just watch everything. That's not good. That means you're not showing discernment. That means you're not even trying. Amen? First of all, we want to be busy for the Lord. Our time's short here. Amen? To reach as many people for Christ as possible. But we also want to be discerning. And look at Psalm chapter 1. How blessed. That means to be fulfilled, to be happy, to, be, to, to have a sense of, of joy and satisfaction in the Lord. To have a sense, a sense of well-being in him because he's your God. How blessed, in this context, that's what that Hebrew word means. How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. You want to be like the tree planted firmly by the trees of water. You want to have life. That, a, a tree by the water, even when it becomes in a, de- in a desert where the season just gets dry and, and the heat just kills everything, man, you're still alive. Which yields its fruit in its season. You want to have fruit. You want to yield fruit in its season. And you're only fruitful if your roots are in the water. The Bible says, Jesus says to his disciples, you're already clean through the water, or the word, I'm sorry, which I've spoken to you. Ooh, well, how does the word clean us? You're clean through the, hmm. Well, in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And it talks about how he washed her in the water of God's word. Amen? 
His word is compared to water. His spirit is compared to living water, amen? His Holy Spirit breathed this word, amen? And when we get into his word and we sink our heart and mind like roots into the word, we begin to, there's, that's where the life is. The life is in the word. His word is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, amen? And the Bible talks to you, says, my words, he said, are living, are spirit. They're alive, amen? His word is alive, and he says, which yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. I don't want prosperity according to what the world calls prosperity. I want prosperity according to what God calls prosperity. Amen? Because that's eternal. That's real life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen? So praise God for the promises of his words that we don't wither. We bear fruit, amen? John talked about the Baptist, that every tree that doesn't bear fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire and burned, amen? But us believers, because we're in God's word and we're trusting the Lord and we're, we have the Holy Spirit in us and we're living for Jesus, we bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love and peace and joy. You know, the, what the world doesn't have agape love, amen? They don't have the joy of the Lord, Amen? We have love and joy and peace. They don't have the peace that comes through Christ, the peace of the cross, peace with God, amen? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, right? Self-control. Against these, it says there's no law. And here, we read in verse four, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away, okay? Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the wicked are like chaff. And when John the Baptist was talking about to the Pharisees, religious guys who weren't repenting and were not turning to Jesus, were rejecting Jesus, he told them they need to repent. Who warned you to flee from the, uh, the wrath to come, he says. Bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. They weren't in the word. They searched the scriptures daily, Jesus said, because in it they believed they had eternal life, but they were unwilling to come to him, he says, that they would have life. So you can read the word, the Jehovah's Witnesses read the word, right? Christian scientists read the word, but they're neither Christian nor science-based, okay? They believe that, that sickness is an illusion. That's not true. They don't believe Jesus even paid for our sins. That's not Christian. You need to be in his word, you need, and, and, and his word should always be leading you to Christ, amen? So it's interesting. John the Baptist said, bring forth fruit and keep with repentance, and he's out there at the Jordan, at the river, baptizing people, Amen? And he says, I'm unworthy to even unloose Jesus' sandals, but he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The word points us to him who is the ultimate word, incarnate. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, amen? So now it's interesting when you think this through is even when you talk, John the Baptist talks about the chaff. He says the wicked are like the chaff, you know? Just as we read here, what's the chaff? Well, in those days, even today, different parts of the world, they would separate the wheat from the chaff. And out, they'd go outside the city gates when this was written. And outside the city gates, they would go and there'd be, you know, they'd get where there's a nice wind or breeze. And they would break it up and with a winnowing fork or whatever, and they'd throw it into the air. With a winnowing fork, the, the wheat, as it's being broken up, they'd throw it in the air. And the wind would take away the chaff. Because the wheat, where the value is. And we're the wheat, amen. The Lord talks about in his parables, he compares us to the wheat. And the wind would blow the shaft away from the wheat and the wheat would fall to the ground. 
You'd keep doing that. The more you did that, the more fine your, your wheat became, the more separate it became from the chaff. And that was like a time of judgment, you know. Uh, it was a separation going on. And what happens is, is when we're in the word, we're like the wheat. The chaff is dead. It's dried up. So it's important that we are in the word. You know, Galileo, the scientist uh, who discovered, you know, uh, that the earth, you know, that, <laughs> that the earth was, uh, that planets were revolving around the earth and so forth. Uh, he, says, he said, the Bible shows the way to go to heaven. He says, the Bible shows the way to, uh, to go to heaven, not the way that heavens go. Now, it's interesting. The Bible does show the way to heaven. Jesus says, and we read in our word, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Theodore Roosevelt said, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. That's Theodore Roosevelt. A thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book, end quote. Now, I believe the greatest gift, I'm, he's close. The greatest gift that's given the world is who? Jesus, amen. But his word reflects him. Amen. So you can say it's almost a tie. I guess. I don't know. Corey Tim Boom. Uh, you guys know, you've seen her book, the, the movie Hiding Place. True story. If you haven't seen that movie, it's pretty heavy about Corey's life. And she and her sister Anne and family were hiding Jews in the Netherlands, Holland, just above Germany. Actually, it's lower Germany, I guess, because it was all one Germanic people. But the lower became the Netherlands and became separated through the years. And what happened was uh, the Nazis were hunting down Jews. In all these different countries, about 20 different countries they went into, including the Netherlands. I've been in uh, Corey's house. It's a tourist attraction. And you go in and you can see where the Jews were hiding, a very small closet. They were hiding Jews there. And the Nazis discovered them. And, of course, Corey and her family members were all put in a Nazi concentration camp and suffered there. And she lost her family, including her sister, Anne, who's a very, very strong believer. And... Uh, Corey says she was even stronger than her, but God grew her through this experience. And she held on to God's word, and she saw its truth. In fact, listen to what she says. I've experienced his presence in the deepest, darkest hell that man can create. A Nazi concentration camp. I have tasted the promises of the Bible, and believe me, you can count on, you can count on them. I know that Jesus Christ can live in you, in me, through his Holy Spirit. You could talk with him. You can talk with him out loud in your heart and when you are alone. As I was alone in solitary confinement, the joy is that he hears each word. So his word is communication to us, but we communicate to him through prayer, amen? And when you read his word, it, it inspires you and encourages you to talk back to the Lord in prayer and seek him. So I want to encourage you, if you want to, you need to have the mind of Christ as a Christian. The best way to have the mind of Christ and be planted, is to be planted in the word, in the water, so you can be like that tree, amen? And your mind can be transformed according to God's word. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, amen? So we're supposed to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. And I love what Corey talks about in some of her books, she has books like Marching Orders, right? She's trying to prepare the church in her own way from her own experiences by saying, hey, church, wake up. There's a great tribulation coming. The church isn't ready for it. She even warned that people were not going to be ready for it because of, you know, thinking they're going to take whisk away early. And she says, whenever I see a scripture that could help me during tribulation, she's talking about the great tribulation period, I hide it in my heart and memorize it. 
so that I'll be strong at that time. The Bible says, young men, in 1 John chapter 2, you are strong. And you've overcame the porneron, the evil one, because the word of God abides in you. His word makes us strong. So you don't, aren't only like a tree planted by the water. When you read God's word, you're in God's spiritual gym. Amen? And you become stronger as you are in the word. The Bible says, be, we're commanded to become stronger. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Paul says, let not that exercise be just that physical exercise, which is good for a little. It is good for a little, he says, but spiritual exercise, spiritual discipline, he says, which is good for much. Are you, and if some of you would not miss a day at the gym or you wouldn't miss gym day, okay? But you should never miss time in the word any day, amen? That should be our main priority. Physical exercise, physical discipline says good for a little, but spiritual exercise is good for a lot, not only in this world, but for the world to come. You're looking at the big picture. Because it doesn't matter where you get your waistline in this world for eternity. What matters is where you get your heart line. Amen? And that means you need to be right with Jesus. Amen? That's what matters most. Not saying not to be physically healthy. I believe it's good and it's important to try to eat right and try to exercise. I'm all for that. But I'm, and I think we should all be doing that. But guess what? If you can. But guess what? We, it's, not an, it's not negotiable. Spiritual exercise. Amen? Why would you not want to become more like Christ? Why would you not want to become more like God's intended to be? And that happens by being in the word. Amen? And guess what? It says in the scripture that the word of God keeps us from sin. Amen? In, first, in, in, in chapter 119 of the book of Psalms, I have hid your word in my heart so I will not what? Sin against, sin against you. How shall a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. Okay? Anybody struggling with pornography in the audience, live stream here? It's because you're not in the Word of God, man. I'm not saying you won't still be tempted, but guess what? If you're in the Word of God and you're meditating on day and night, you don't have time for pornography. The Bible says walk in the Spirit so you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. So if you're walking in the Spirit and you're praying and seeking God and you're witnessing and you're staying in God's Word, guess what? Pornography has no place in your life. And what you need to do is make it a non-negotiable. You need to make following and reading God's word a non-negotiable and say, no, this is my life. Amen? But you also need, and when you make that a non-negotiable, then you make sin a non-negotiable. Amen? And no one's going to be absolutely perfect, but guess what? Falling into a sin should not, should be the exception. It should not characterize your life. Because if you're falling into sin and you're unrepentant, then you're not walking with Jesus. You need to get right, amen, and repent. And he's faithful and just to cleanse you of unrighteousness, all unrighteousness, if you repent, amen? We have a good God. And you don't want to be like the chaff that's blown away, thrown in the fire, burned. You want to be like the tree that's planted by the water. I love the scriptures that talk about uh, the, the, how God's word endures. Since you're in Psalms, go take a hang of right if you're still there uh, and go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. And go ahead and uh, look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 7. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. See, flowers the fields, human beings, we all just are here for a little while. Verse eight, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, what? Stands or endures forever. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but what? My word shall not pass 
My word shall never pass away. His word's eternal, man. Back in the day, and it still happens throughout the world in different places today, but you have these blacksmiths, right, that would just take this huge hammer and just forge steel, metal, iron, and alloys of iron, different types of steel and so forth. And I read about a farmer, a uh, farm boy, he was going through town with his dad, and he was young, and he heard this clanging going on. He's like, Dad, what's that sound? And his dad said, come with me. He brings him into a blacksmith's shop, and he says, check this out. He's just looking, and this huge man is throwing this giant hammer. Bam! Bam! Just forging the steel, and it was impressive. And this little boy says to his father, he goes, what about that thing under it? Because he moved it around, and there's this anvil underneath what he's forging he goes, that probably won't last very long. And the blacksmith says, son, he goes, this anvil is hundreds of years old. It's worn out many hammers. And that's like God's word, man. God's word has been attacked by communists, by atheists, by spiritists, by all kinds of ist and isms. And guess what? They all get destroyed in the end. But his word endures forever, amen? Forever and ever and ever. Jesus' church, he said, I'll build my, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And his word endures, indeed, endures forever. You had all these pyramids built. And these pyramids, man, all the work that went into them. And they're basically tombs for for pharaohs. You know what? And it's because they want to be remembered forever. And we don't even know some of these pyramids who they belong to. They've forgotten a lot of these pharaohs. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Or John Lennon said, Christianity will vanish. We're more popular, the Beatles, than Jesus now. Mm-hmm. You know? Then not too long later, he was, didn't even, wasn't alive anymore. He got killed by one of his fans. Yeah. But Jesus still reigns. Amen? Yeah. And what's interesting is when Paul McCartney did some music, was it with Jay-Z? Oh, it was Kanye West. Yeah, I did some music with Kanye West. And, and everybody was like, Paul McCartney of the Beatles, right? And everybody was like, it came out where a lot of people, it's just kind of funny. They were like, wow, who is this new guy that Kanye West is featuring? You know, he's going to probably blow up. He's pretty good. They're forgotten, guys. And they'll be more and more forgotten as time goes on. But Jesus is way more popular around the world right now than the Beatles. And he is still absolutely viral. Amen. Now, it's interesting because we have his word and his word does make us clean. You're clean through the word of God that I've spoken to you. Amen. Clean through the word I've spoken to you, referring to his word. How many will go without bathing for a month straight? Don't raise your hand. I could figure it out. Who's all alone with 10 seats? You know, no. You don't go too long without bathing. You start to smell, right? And that's what happens when you're not in God's word because his word cleans us, amen? You start to smell spiritually. Your life starts to stink when you're not in his word, amen? So we need to be in his word. And what happens if you don't cleanse at all after weeks and months go by? You start to get sicknesses. You start to get things that cling to you living things, actually, and you start to get diseases and it eventually kills you if you don't clean at all, you know. 
And God's word cleans us, amen. So we need to be in his word. His word is like food, amen. More, than our, more desirous than our necessary food. Yeah, Job chapter 23, I think around verse 12. And Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, and I think verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What happens if you stop eating? What happens to your body? You become emaciated, amen? You start to, and then you become, now you can fast for a a period of time, it's really actually very healthy. And the Bible lets us know it's spiritually healthy, and that's the first and foremost thing, because you glorify God, and it's about seeking God, and uh, Prayer getting answered at times, uh, things of that nature. Uh, but also, the Bible is very clear that also helps us physically, which is interesting. Because science is now saying, yeah, that's a reality. But only for a certain amount of time, right? Then you eat again. But, so, but the analogy is if you don't eat anything and you refuse to eat, eventually you're going to get incredibly weak, emaciated, diseased, or just die. And that's what happens when you're not in God's word. You don't only stink, but you die. Uh, chapter 8, I believe, around verse 51, 52, Jesus says, uh, he talks about those who keep my word, he says, will never see death. Amen? That's a promise and a warning together. Amen? We need to keep his word so we don't see spiritual death. Amen? And it's just amazing. His word is so powerful. Psalm 119, 105 says, uh, the, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Amen. He's a, he's, it's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Lamp to our feet, a light to our path. But if you're not in his word and you're like, I, I prefer sleep to his word. If I have a choice, I'll always pick sleep over his word. I just don't read his word. Remember the virgins? Ten virgins? Yes. They all fell asleep, right? And guess what? They rose and five of them slept so deep and so long and were not prepared and their lamps went out. They had all gone out, but the other five, right? These virgins, they were like 10 people and they all represent people that are in a place that they shouldn't have been and should be ready for the Lord. But five get it right and five, their oil is running out, you know. And the oil is a picture of what in the Bible? Picture the Holy Spirit. You can go look at the imagery of the oil and the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. It's pretty powerful. And the lamp is a picture of, it's right here, 119.105. Thy word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's a picture of his word, amen? Amen. And guess what? They couldn't go to be with the Lord at his return because their lamps had no light. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, keep your lamps burning, amen? How do I keep his lamp burning? I keep my heart in his word. This is his lamp, amen? Amen. And Second Peter chapter 1 talks about how his word is a lamp. It's, and it's prophetic, it says. And, it, it bring, and, and as we look at the word of the lamp, Peter says in Second Peter 1, it shines the light and shows us that the Messiah is coming. So we're ready for him. So man, any of you go, you know, go hiking at night when the, you don't have any stars out hardly, any moon? It's very, very difficult. Yesterday, you know, Last night, I went into my garage, and, uh, and I usually turn the light on, but sometimes when I hit that light, it makes my, my door go up, and that had happened earlier in the day. I said, you know what, I'm just going to shut the door and just go in the dark, because I know right where the trash can is, because my wife had some trash out. I said, hey, can you take that out? I'm like, yes, ma'am. No, I didn't say that, but I said, yes, no problem. You know, I do those kinds of things. I do dishes and wash windows, stuff like that. And I, so I grabbed the trash, and I'm like, I'm not going to flick it, because I had trouble with this earlier. Because if you hit it real quick, the light goes on, but if you hold it. Just a little bit too long, 
then you got to finagle that thing to come back down. So I'm just like, I just, I'm walking in the dark, man. And then there's this laundry. Oh, there's a laundry. Okay. Go over that. I turn right when I hit the uh, door, garage door, stick my hand out, feel the garage door, turn right, boom. Now I know where the laundry's at. I'm learning a little bit, but it's pitch dark, you know, and praise God, because guess what, man? We need spiritual light far more than physical light. Amen. Because I could trip and fall physically because I can't see in the dark. Okay, with my lack of experience especially. But guess what? If you trip spiritually, physically, and get back up again, right? Spiritually, you can get back up again if you get right with God. But if you stay fallen and you stay in the dark spiritually, you'll be eternally separated from God in our darkness forever. Amen? So we need the light of God's Word. I love what God's Word says. The Bible says that God's Word is sufficient for our lives. In fact, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And now, it's interesting, when you look at 2 Timothy, he says a lot about God's word. He's writing to a young, a young pastor there, and he says a lot about God's word in First and 2 Timothy. But in chapter 3, he reminds Timothy about his spiritual journey a little bit. And in verse, pick it up at verse 15, because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, we read this. And that from childhood, talking about Timothy, you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you what? Wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't he already saved? Yeah. But Paul talks in our in our in the modern evangelical church, we often think of salvation as just when we first get saved. We don't realize that we're being saved, and that we don't realize that ultimately Jesus said, He that endures the end shall be what? Saved. saved. Okay. So here he's talking about Timothy's final salvation. Okay, uh, James and Peter both talk about receiving the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Okay, and, and it's called the imperishable seed. So when we first come to spiritual life, it's because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We come to faith in God's word, faith in the gospel, amen. His word that Jesus died for us, he was buried, he rose again and conquered death. We put our faith in Jesus and we spring to new life. Jesus said, the sower goes out to sow the seed. And he says, the seed is the word of God. Hebrews chapter four, verses, it says in Hebrews chapter four, that his word is sharper than a two-edged sword, amen? But it's sharp and it says it's dividing of soul and spirit and bone and marrow. And it says it's sharp than a two-edged sword. And it says it's powerful. It's living. It says it's powerful. That seed's powerful. You ever see how powerful seeds can be? You ever see a seed, just this little tiny seed, man, pushes its way through concrete, and you'll be like, you'll see this like a bubble in the concrete, and this plant comes through it. Isn't that a trip? That's a picture of God's word, man. His word is so powerful. It's a seed, and it can break through concrete, break through anything, man. His word is so powerful. Then he says to Timothy, verse 16, all scripture is what? Inspired by God. Wow. Theonoustos. Man. What a beautiful Greek word. It means God breathed. It comes from his, his mouth, man. Amen. Theonoustos. All scripture is inspired by God. And profitable for what? Teaching. For reproof. For correction. Right? So it's teaching. We're doing that today. For reproof. Okay, that's exposing things. Like we just talked about. We put God's word against, say, a Marvel video. You watch that video, you don't have God's word. You're like, Wow. I guess demon possession, these voices I'm hearing, and this evil thing that keeps growling at me isn't that bad after all. I just need to team up with it. 
you have no discernment. You have God's word. You're like, ooh, no, there's demons, man. They're fallen angels, man. And you don't want any part of them, man. You need to call them the name of Jesus. Amen? So it's good for reproof, teaching for reproof, and for correction. Amen? How many of us need correction? All of us need correction all the time. Amen? Because the, the, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The Bible says, who can know it? So we want to make sure that old heart, that old man doesn't come back to ascendance in our life. And, it, and then we read God's word to make sure we make sure, nope, I'm staying on straight and narrow. I'm not letting that old man come back. Amen? So it's profitable for correction, for training in righteousness. It teaches us how to live a righteous life. Amen? So that the man of God may be, what? Adequate or fully furnished or equipped is the Greek word. Uh, Adequate means sufficient. Equipped for every good work. In fact, the word adequate, I think, I I love the NASB. It's such a great translation, but the word uh, teleos means perfect. Okay? So, and they don't want to use the word perfect there because it's such a strong word. The word of God can make you perfect. Well, that's our goal, amen? So it needs to be something like complete, I think a better translation, or, or, or perfect. It, it helps us, it perfects us. We won't be perfect until Jesus comes, but it gives us, it puts us on the road to perfection. And that's why if you're going, man, you know what? If somebody told you, man, you're going through some weird stuff. You have some weird thoughts and you, your viewpoints. You need a psychologist. No, you need Jesus, man. You need the word of God. You need to let God correct you, Amen. Do you think Peter and James and John were saying, you need a psychologist? No, they didn't even exist. And that whole system is born out of Freud and, and Maslow and Jung and Rogers and a lot of these guys were in the occult. Same realm, you know. And, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about uh, uh, psychological things where, you know, under, uh, under certain kinds of lights, how you fare. And there's scientific things you could do. There's no problem with that. I'm talking about the psychology that deals with the soul that they don't understand. It talks about values. It talks about how our greatest need is to love ourselves more. When the Bible says, deny yourself, and the last days will be terrible times for men, we lovers of self. When Jesus says, love your neighbors as you really already love yourself, amen? We already love ourselves. That's why you clothed yourself today, you know? And, if you, and that's why you brushed your hair or combed it, brushed your teeth, hopefully, you know? That one guy with nobody sitting around him that we talked about earlier, I love you, but no, I'm just kidding. Lord, help us all, you know? But you know what, guys? It's important that we understand the sufficiency of God's word. Second Peter chapter one, verses four, three, four, and five there, verses three and four specifically, it says that God's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need, he's given us by his spirit, by his word, amen? amen. By his love, amen? amen? We get complete through God's word, not, some, not a godless atheist. We're not supposed to sit in the seat of scorners, right? And unbelievers who don't know Jesus, right? We're supposed to be in God's word, right? And God's word is more than sufficient. He is the one that gives us everything we need and meets all of our needs according to his riches in glory. You know, I love it, you know. Shows you how to be a great kid if you're a young person right over there. How to obey the Lord. Shows you how to be a great parent. Amen. There's instruction there, right? Shows you how to be a great brother or sister to somebody. Amen. It shows you how uh, to be in the workplace and be a light for Christ. Amen. It shows you how to be saved. It shows you how to live as a Christian. It shows you how to go home and how to die. Amen. God's word fills up all those gaps. Everything you need to live life is there in God's word, guys. We just need to be in it, you know. And uh, it also warns us, you know, about the future 
and how to live our lives now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, it says, now these things happened to them as an example, meaning what happened in the Old Testament. And they were written for our instruction, meaning the Old Testament was written down so we can realize, ah, you know what, how they were wandering in the wilderness and they weren't trusting the Lord and they were living wicked lives. And even though he redeemed them through the blood of the lambs, even though he uh, brought them and baptized in the Sea of Moses, as Paul says earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, even as even though they drank from the rock, which represented Christ, Paul says, and they had all these experiences, God wiped a lot of them out. And they didn't make the promised land. And he says, these were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Amen? So we have his written word, which gives us instructions and says, whoa, this is how we don't live right here. But also we have his spirit, God himself in our lives that his word points to this relationship whereby we cry out to him and know him. And, and we know Jesus said this eternal life that they might know thee. It's eternal life that they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou sent. And we have this relationship with us and he strengthens us in our trials and he gives us a way of escape always. You could never say, I had no choice but to sin in that circumstance. Wrong, 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 wrong. All the time wrong. He always promises the way of escape. Amen. There is a way of escape. It may be hard, but it's not too hard in Jesus. Amen. Because there's no temptation that's too hard when you have Jesus. And that's imperative that we know that. Jesus says, sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. So we're being tempted. We go to his word and he sanctifies. He separates us. He gives us light, gives us insight into, you know, decisions that we ought to make. But not only, it doesn't only warn us. I love to read the Old Testament. It doesn't only warn us, but it encourages us. Look what it says about the encouragement of God's word. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in earlier times, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Guess what? Yeah, there's a warning there, but there's also hope. When your back is up against the Red Sea and it seems like there's no way of escape, God opens the sea. Amen. Whatever situation you are in, God will forge a way. Because he created the entire universe, amen? Spoke it into existence. You think just, we get a little glimpse of what the universe is and just the little glimpse that we get shows so much power that God has, amen? And we need to rely on him and his power. And I love Revelation 1, 3. It says, blessed is he that reads, reads his words, hears, hears his word, you're hearing his word today, and keeps the word, amen? That's how you're blessed, you read, you hear, you keep it, you obey it. James says this. He says, chapter 1, verse 21 and following, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Put it aside, brothers and sisters. Do not cling to it. It'll destroy you. In humility, receive the word implanted. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Okay? Now he's talking believers. But we're talking about final salvation again. A lot of these books talk about final salvation, just as we had in uh, Timothy. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude, them, delude themselves. We've talked about this before, but briefly, the word right there, when it says not merely hearers, hearers can be translated to auditors. And they were, there were auditors back in those days as they are today where you can take a class and not get credit for it. Well, the auditors would go and hear some teacher or some philosopher and just listen, but they weren't his disciple, right? No strings attached, I'm just hearing. He's saying, don't be an auditor. Don't be one that just hears but doesn't practice it. You need to be a disciple. If you're not a disciple, follow Jesus, you're not saved. 
Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, and once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Okay? But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, some of the law of Christ right there, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So man, you read the God's instruction, says to love your wife as Christ loves the church, but man, all you do is just belittle her. All you do is condemn her. All you do is uh, call her names and stuff like that. Ooh, you are in big trouble, man. And you're in worse trouble than Frank down the street who doesn't know God's word and is mean to his wife because you have his word and you're more accountable than he is. Yep. Amen? Amen? Wives too and loving your children. Don't spend all your time on social media neglecting bringing up your children the way of the Lord. You're supposed to, as a parent, be teaching them the word of God. Amen? You're supposed to be teaching them how to live their lives. Supposed to be teaching them how to walk this straight and narrow road. Amen? You have to apply his word to your life. You know? Don't get all caught up in the gossip at the, at the job, you know? And try to be a star at work. No, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you're living for Jesus, it's not going to go well always. Amen? You're going you're gonna to struggle. You're going to have some times, some hard times. Doesn't mean you can't laugh and, and get along with people, but don't enter when there's dirty jokes. Mm, that's not me. They ought to know you're a believer by now. Okay? They ought to know because you're walking straight and narrow. Otherwise, they just say, oh, he claims to be a Christian, but he laughs at all of our dirty jokes. Or she does. Man, I'm, I'm encouraging you. I love you guys. I'm telling you because I want you to be right with God. Amen? Amen? Now, it's interesting. If anybody ever seen, ever, been, been to France and seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Uh, France? Ooh, trick question. Trick question. Italy. <laughs> was not a trick question. I've actually been in France, and I didn't see the Lean Tower of Pisa there. And I've been in Italy. It is definitely in Italy. <laughs> but I was wondering, why are they so slow on this answer, man? It's failing this quiz at this point, you know. So, but you've seen it, right? Have you seen it in pictures or video of it, right? It's constantly what? Leaning. Why is it leaning? Because when is it built on a solid foundation? And they're constantly having to do, use hydraulic, you know, ramps and stuff to just we try to keep it from falling. And that's the life of many Christians. They're like trying to keep themselves from falling. They're constantly, and, but you don't have people putting ramps around you constantly. Or if you do, they're going to get tired eventually. And you're actually already falling. Jesus said to build your life on the rock. Amen. He said that there's two men and they both built homes. And they, the crazy thing about this, they're two men, they're building homes, they're doing the same exact thing. But the big difference was they built on different foundations. One built on a rock foundation. In Luke, Jesus says, we get more of what he said. He, he dug into the ground and hit a rock. And then he built this house. And then when the storms came, amen, the rain came, the hail came, the wind came, it stood. But the one that was built on the sand, Jesus says, great was its fall. And he says, everybody's going to be like that who does not build his life on my words. Amen. Are you building your life on the rock? Are you building your life on his word? If you're not building your life on Jesus and his words, who is the rock of the ages, who is the rock of our salvation, amen, and his word is truth. If you're not doing it, you're going to have a great, Jesus says, great was its fall. You're going to have a great fall, okay? And if you're not following his word, you're just doing it on your own, man. You're like the leading tower of Pisa. You're just ready to come down. Actually, you're not even built right. You're going down. But right now, man, the cool thing is most houses can't change foundations, Amen. You can change the foundation, man, and you can turn to Jesus right now. Man, I'm just going to skip a bunch of stuff. 
because I look at the clock, I'm like, what in the world happened, you know? I'll find a place to preach a lot of, more about God's word in another message, right? But uh, he's good, amen? amen? Have you been edified and built up today in the Lord? Okay, are you going to start meditating? Are we going to meditate on his word day and night more? Okay, hopefully you are already doing that. But if you're not, praise God today to make, the, make that choice, amen? But the number one thing you need to make sure you're doing, you need to make sure that your life right now belongs to Jesus. That your life is built on the rock of salvation. You have to know what his word says. He is the one who explains to us what's going on in this world. And he makes it very clear that death, the reason we get sorry, the reason people cry, people that don't know Jesus when they're at a funeral, that's because death is an enemy. It's not what's it supposed to happen. The Bible calls it the last enemy is death, it says. And sin came into the world. That's rebellion against God. And because of sin, death came to the world. And death spread to all men. Amen. We're all sons of, of Adam. We're all related and we all die. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the soul that sins shall die. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says the wage of sin is death. That's why we die. We, we're already dead spiritually when we don't know Jesus. Death is separation. Physical death is when your spirit leaves your body. Separation. Okay, that's physical death. Spiritual death is when God's spirit leaves you because of sin, and God's spirit left humanity. But Jesus said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, we must receive Christ in his life and have the Lord come back into us. Then we're born again, amen? Then we have new life. And we pass from death to spiritual life, and the Bible says we will not come into condemnation. Those who put their trust in Jesus will not be condemned by God because Jesus paid for your sins, my sins, all of our crimes against God and humanity were paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross when he died. And that was all prophesied in his word. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before he came. Okay? You could even say, uh, uh, you know, wow, you go way back to Abraham, right? Promises that were made to Abraham 2,000 years before Christ of the seed that would come through him, the Messiah. And Jesus was born. He's a historical person. Okay? He's real. Our whole calendar, 2021 AD, is based around Christ. Not, not Gandhi, not Buddha, not Muhammad. Okay? Josephus, Tacitus, secular Roman Jewish historians, Josephus being Jewish, the, uh, Tacitus being first century Roman historians, they both talk about Jesus. He's talked about outside the Bible as existing, and other historians as well. Scholars, virtually every scholar, even secular scholar, worth their salt. Uh, it's not even really a debate. Jesus existed. Question is, who is he? He's either the greatest liar ever or he's the Lord. Amen? Amen? You only have two options. Some say, well, a lunatic is an option too. Well, a lunatic would be lying though. So, so you've got two options really. Lord or liar? He's not a liar, man. He was who he claimed to be. And he was prophesied long before he came. The place to be born, everything else. By his word, which is lamp to our feet, a light to our path. The Bible says, receive the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've heard the gospel now. Make a choice to turn to and know and have a living relationship with Jesus so you can make sure you're saved, amen? Because whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, as Paul says, right after he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, or the, he's talking about the gospel there of God. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ confesses their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believes in the heart that God raised from the dead 
what? Shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the Lord, he goes on to say, shall be saved. Call on Jesus right now and say, God, have mercy on me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I trust you, and I'm now looking to you. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm repenting from a life of rebellion against you. I'm embracing you to save me, and he'll save you right now, this very moment. Amen? So make sure you do that. If you're listening through the airways or if you're here and you haven't done that, you have to do that if you don't want to be lost for all eternity. And those of you who are saying, man, I love Jesus, I've already received him. Well, be doers of the word. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen? Make sure you're abiding in his word, you're doing his word, and that you don't fall asleep spiritually, man, because you might wake up and it's too late and the door will be shut and he'll say, I don't know you. Amen? I want you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen? Praise God. Let's rise up and then pass out the cup and the bread so we can remember our awesome Savior. Oh yeah, give him glory. Praise God. Amen. We love you, Lord. We praise your holy, holy, holy name. You are such an awesome God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord God. Let's pass.